Today's episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And the Roger Hoover Podcast is proud to be part of the River City Rogue Podcast Network. For the best local blogs, vlogs, and podcasts on sports, culture, and entertainment, head to RiverCityRogue.com. Bold views from the bold city and beyond. Welcome everybody, I'm Roger Hoover and welcome to this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. I'm recording this on Friday, January 19th, 2018 from the Tuscaloosa, Alabama studios of the podcast. Hope everyone's doing well as we gear up for another cold weekend here in Tuscaloosa, but hope everybody is doing well, especially to all my friends on the First Coast who are getting ready to cheer on the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC Championship game against the New England Patriots. That is going to be exciting to see coming up on Sunday in Foxborough, and a lot of Jaguars fans are making the trip to New England, and hopefully the Jaguars will come away with a win. But I'm excited to talk some Jaguars coming up on this episode of the podcast. Excited to talk with Blythe Brumleave, who I've followed throughout the years in Jacksonville. You hear me talk about it coming up in the interview in just a moment, but First got to know Blythe when she was the editor-in-chief of Void Magazine back in 2013 when I first got back to Jacksonville, and they did some incredible coverage that year on the Jacksonville Suns, and kind of through that, we started following each other online on Twitter and became Facebook friends as well, and I've always been very impressed with the work she's been able to put out, first with Void and even with her own site, guysgirl.com, an outstanding blog, and then she's been able to transform all of that into her own company now, Brumleave Brands, helping out a a lot of different businesses and a lot of different avenues of life away from sports and away from broadcasting. She's done incredible work there. She's also one of the hosts of Helmets and Heels on 1010XL, an outstanding female-led show talking about football and a lot of different issues uh, regarding women in sports. And I think it's an incredible show. She also does a great job on one of the Jaguars pregame shows on 1010XL. So she's somebody that is very talented, but not only is she talented in a media aspect, she is still true to her core, a diehard Jacksonville Jaguars fan. So as the Jaguars are making this incredible run in the playoffs, nobody better to talk to than Blythe Brumleave. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation as we get a little Duval on the podcast this week. All right, Blythe, the Jaguars going to the AFC Championship game. So already this is one of the three best finishes the Jaguars will ever have in their history. Is this your favorite Jaguars team? Oh, I I think it kind of has to be. I I would rival the 2010 season because as a a Jaguars fan, we we haven't gotten many years of of pleasure until this year. Um, So the last really fun season for me was was 2010. And that's when we had, you know, the infamous Hail Mary catch in the end zone by, I think it was Mike Thomas, David Garrard threw threw that pass to him. And then Scobie's 59-yarder to beat the Colts. That was a, a really fun season to be a part of. But this season has just, exceeded all of my expectations being as someone who who grew up in Jacksonville and and who was here to see the team arrive and and you know you, you hear I was too young to sort of appreciate the 99 season when they made it to the AFC championship game but this is this is something on on another level 
that, that I've never really experienced before. And it's sort of still a, a pinch me moment. And, of course, you've been part of covering the Jaguars, part of Helmets and Heels for the last few years as we've had the build-up to this season. But uh, going into the year, do you think anything like this was possible? Or do you think maybe this team had an outside chance of getting a wild-card berth, just getting in the playoffs? No, I, absolutely. I thought it was going to be another uh, a disaster of a season. Uh, we, we had the August that it was sort of the August from hell is what I like to call it because we had the fiasco with Brandon Albert, who that, that was the uh, the left tackle that they brought in traded for with Miami and they had that really tough training camp and Brandon Albert decided he was going to retire and then try to unretire and and you had that fiasco and then you had Blake Bortles getting benched in the third preseason game the most important preseason game out of all of them in favor of Chad Henney so you really just thought that this was just more of the same this is Doug Marone's first full year of, of coaching and that it was just going to be more of the same of, of, of what we had in previous years and it was, it, I thought it was going to be set up as really, really disappointing. And it was the first time over the summer was the first time that I had ever thought about not renewing my season tickets and just, you know, enjoying the games from the, the seat of my couch. And what happened is, is that we just, you know, I, I've had season tickets with my dad and my brother for, for more than 10 years now. And we decided to reluctantly renew them again. And it's, it's paid off <laughs> dividends because, I mean, for the very first regular season game against the Texans with, you know, the double digit sacks, it was, it was, it, it was, you, you kind of got the hint that something might be different, but it, it, it took midway through the season for me to be uh, confident in that I could get emotionally attached to the team again. Yeah, and then they have this great run. They're able to get a lot of regular season wins. And then gearing up for the playoffs, just the excitement about being in a playoff game, being at home against Buffalo. For you, you mentioned as a lifelong Jaguar fan, what did that game against Buffalo in the first round mean to you? Getting to see the Jaguars at home in the playoffs, sold out Everbank Field, and you got to be there. It it was one of the greatest moments of my life, and I and I don't I, I say that as a you know a lifelong Jaguars fan, and and to to see where this team has come, not just the team but the city and the fan base. I mean, this this was a fan base back in in two thousand nine that uh, Wayne Weaver was still the owner before Shad Khan ever came into the picture, and he had a meeting at Everbank Field, and he launched he decided to launch along with Tony Baselli and a couple other uh, you know city leaders that. They decided to launch what's called My Team Teal, and My Team Teal was responsible for encouraging others to buy season tickets because the situation was a little dire. It, it did look like the team was either going to be sold or it was going to be moved, and and so that the Wayne Weaver and the rest of the the, the Jaguars organization they really implored. The, the the fan base to really step up and since that season we only it, all the games that season that 2009 season all of them but one were blacked out and we haven't had a blackout since then because the fan base stood up they took ownership of of the the, the team and and you know this, this is you know the Duval till we die sort of slogan that this is our team we're not going to let it go without a fight and my team teal would eventually turn into you know the two groups that you hear a lot about you know Teal Street Hooligans and, and Bold City Brigade. Teal Street Hooligans had, had been around for a little while, but Bold City Brigade is, is uh, w w formed, <clears throat> excuse me, right after my team Teal, and it sort of evolved into that. And so to see that group and all of the fan base go through everything that they've, they've gone through from a national media perspective, you know, the team moving rumors and, you know, you have no fans and, and tarps and, and all of that, it sort of culminated 
at this Buffalo home game because it, it, it to see the crowd, to see the tarps getting ripped off, and to see that the, the fan base sort of gravitate towards and it. And the hardcore fans have always been there, but to see the casual fans come back into the fold, you know, they're all waving their, their Jaguars towels throughout the stadium. And it was, it was an energy that I've never felt in Everbank before. And, and to be a part of it is something that I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. And, and to get the win was, it, it, that, that was just icing on the cake. No doubt. And also go to Pittsburgh and get the win uh, on last Sunday was incredible, too. And who knows what could be in store for the Jaguars if they can beat the Patriots and get to the Super Bowl. But we even saw how much the fans care after the win against Pittsburgh. Uh, 10,000 made it to Everbank Field to welcome in the guys. Do you think this is the type of season that can finally put to rest a lot of that talk about, oh, the Jaguars could move at some point or maybe they're being groomed to go to London? Do you think this is the year that puts an end to all that? hope so but with that said it's sort of the mindset that that's evolved within the Jaguars fan base it's it's sort of who gives a crap what what you know some lazy national media person has to say about this team moving it's sort of been the low-hanging fruit for a while for people who especially writers and and broadcasters who don't want to do their research so that anytime that someone that I hear a broadcaster continue to say that someone like a you know a, a Tony Kornheiser from from PCI it's either a shtick to me or they're just that plain ignorant and and that to me will discredit the rest of the opinions that come out of their mouth so to me it's almost it's it's when a broadcaster or or you know someone you know a columnist or or somebody like that says something about that about Jacksonville I think it says more about them than it does about our fan base because we've proven time and time again that this is a fan base that loves the Jaguars they stuck by them through 10 years of BS and now we're finally getting rewarded and it with you know performance on the field and and now the casual fans are starting to come out in droves and and that's where really the the the, the kicker the missing piece for this city has been because this team is putting up as far as viewership numbers they're putting up Super Bowl numbers especially in the market of, of in the dra- Jacksonville surrounding areas that they're they're putting up viewership numbers so they're engaged heavily with the team now and it, and it feels good to have those. To, to, to have a reason to bring those fans back in. But Jacksonville has always had those, you know, 45,000 fans that show up to every single game. And that average, that average right there is more than a lot of markets all around the country. It's just, it just so happens that Everbank was built for Florida, Georgia. And so it sort of looks bad perception wise, but I think it's just, it, it more speaks volumes to a broadcaster if they continue to doubt the support of the, of the fan base here, <clears throat> excuse me, in Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm with you 100%, and I hear it too. I, when I have to leave Jacksonville for the offseason and I talk to different people, or like you, I hear things from national broadcasters, see it on Twitter, and my response is always, you know, Shad Khan is putting in so much of his own money into non-football projects in yeah. Jacksonville. There's no way he's picking up anytime soon and leaving. That's a great point because one of the first things that he did when he got to town was he revamped the locker rooms. He launched the scoreboards. We had the largest scoreboards on the planet within about six months of him launching that project. We now have Daly's Place, which is the, the, the concert hall attached to Everbank Field. Chuck Khan has also invested into the Laura Street Trio downtown. So he's, he's heavily invested in this city. And he said years ago he held up a Jaguars ticket at a press conference when he first bought the team and he said this is going to be the hottest ticket in town and a few years later he has delivered on that promise 
No doubt. And it's been exciting to see and uh, fun to see the Jaguars have this kind of run. Uh, last little bit of Jaguars talk. What has to happen on Sunday for the Jaguars to get a win and get to the Super Bowl? They, the defense has got to show out, and they got to do similarly what they did against Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh had you – know, they, they were facing off against a future Hall of Fame quarterback, a future Hall of Fame wide receiver, a potential Hall of Fame running back. And when the Steelers were down early in that game, they fought back and they battled back. And when they started looking like that they were going to, to – you know, it was within one score of the game – Blake Bortles and the offense started answering every single score that the Steelers answered with. And so that that kind of ability to fight back despite the odds is sort of, you know, the, the momentum shifting in the other direction. Jaguars got to keep their mental cool about them and they got to get to the quarterback. Tom Brady is the most, is the, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback already still playing. He's probably the best to ever play the game. And they, it's going to be a really tough task. And, and for me, what's going to come down to it's going to be the little things. It's going to be can you create turnovers? Can you score off those turnovers? And can you also that the situational awareness? Bill Belichick is the best in the business when it comes to managing the clock and, and situational football. And I, I, I want to see Doug Marone go toe to toe with him. And so to me, it, it's got to be, you got to be able to contain Brady and you've got to keep your situational, situational awareness at, with you at all times during the game, whether it's two minutes left in the half or two minutes left in the game. Well, it is one of the biggest games in Jaguars history coming up. Are you going to this game? And then if they make it to the Super Bowl, will you be going to Minnesota? No, I'm actually staying in town. I, I, I work, I'm a co-host on what's called the kickoff show here in town on 1010XL. And we broadcast five hours before every Jaguars game. And so we're, we're going to be doing that broadcast, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so we'll be having that broadcast. And then for the actual Super Bowl, I've, I've I've allowed myself to start thinking about this. I don't think that I would ever go to a Super Bowl if my team was in it, only because of sort of the corporate environment that's involved with the Super Bowl. It's not really – I, I want to be surrounded by the fans. You know, right. we, the, the fans have been – we've been in this as a family together for over the past 10 years. And to me, if I can't have my family – or my tailgating crew with there, you know, my dad, my brother, if I can't have them there with me to enjoy it, then I don't want to go. Um, so, so that my, my opinion sort of around the, the Super Bowl is, is to throw a, a, a big ass party here in Jacksonville and to celebrate with, you know, my football family, because that, those are the people that we've been through everything together. We've been through all of the BS over the past decade. And now it's time to enjoy some of these things together that we've never been able to enjoy. So I would much rather enjoy it here in Jacksonville versus going to, you know, a, a, unless it was close. Minnesota is, is, is a different. <laughs> if it's in it, Tampa, it, it's a, yeah, or Miami, yeah. <laughs> different yeah, story. Yeah, if it's Miami or if it's New Orleans, I might be thinking a little bit differently. But since it's in Minnesota, it's like, uh, I think I'll, I'll stay here <laughs> in Florida. <laughs> Well, good deal. Well, looking back at your career, I first became familiar with you, and I was, of course, uh, working with the then Suns uh, in 2013, and you were uh, the editor of Void. But you had a pretty interesting journey to get to that point. What can you tell me about growing up in Jacksonville and how you started getting in the sports media business? Sure. So it was it was honestly completely uh, by accident. Uh, I, I never really planned. I, I I know a lot of broadcasters and media types that they grew up wanting to work in sports. I, I grew up as a sports fan, and so when I reached uh, you know my early twenties, I, I spent a little time moving around the country um, while my friends were off at you know college and, and studying abroad and things like that. And when I moved back to Jacksonville, it was sort of an awakening in me, and I said I need to do something. I need to to, to carve out a career path for myself 
And this was in the early days, early days of the internet. And what I did is I, I felt like I was all alone as sort of a sports fan, a sort of a, you know, a, a nerdy type girl. And so I started up the blog guysgirl.com. And I started it up with the idea that I could connect with other women who were familiar with sports or who were sports fans or, you know, fans of Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or something like that. And that I could connect with them. And then it slowly evolved into an opportunity where I was working on the blog as a side hustle and my full-time job was working in logistics marketing. And so I would work on the blog at night, sometimes during the work day when the boss wasn't looking. And so it, it slowly evolved into a career opportunity. And after the logistics company that I worked for closed unexpectedly, I sort of spent a couple months sort of self-discovery, not sure what I was going to do. And then I saw that Void was hiring and I said, well, this is, a, this is a great opportunity to sort of expand my, my media coverage. So I started working for them. Within a couple months, they promoted me up to editor-in-chief. And then from there, that's really when my, my media career changed completely because it, it sort of put into the back of my mindset, of, okay, well, I, I can do this. And I, 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 you know, I, I don't need, necessarily need a college degree to do these sort of things. You just need to put in the hard work and you need to put in the effort and surround yourself with good people. And, and that's exactly what the opportunity presented itself at, at Void. And, and luckily from there, I was offered an opportunity to, to start working with 1010 as, you know, they're, they're a, a woman who loves football. And, and from there, it sort of blossomed into its, its own little thing. It's, and you've done extremely well with all of that. Uh, going back to your time at Void, uh, what are the challenges of maintaining publishing a magazine in today's digital age? Was it, well, to me, it, it, people still want something tangible to hold in their hands to read. And I'm a, I'm a big reader. I, I read, you know, hundreds of articles every single day on, online. But the ability to sit down and read an in-depth story is still something that I think a lot of people want. I do think it's sort of the, the interest in that maybe waning a little bit, but it was it was a little bit of a challenge to, to to figure out okay well how do we expand our coverage how do we talk about the best stories in North Florida on a limited budget with a limited staff it was a free mag it still is a free magazine so you're you're dealing with a you know challenging times but in the end it was the people behind the stories who were writing the stories who were passionate about it that's where I really found a sort of a niche is that when you put somebody on a story and they're passionate about it, it tells in their writing. And when it, you can tell in someone's writing, I think that, you know, somebody would, would pick up maybe a Void magazine for the first time in a long time, read an article, and then say, I'm going to pick up the next one and I'm going to pick up the next one after that. So that was sort of the strategy that we started with. And then after we would publish all of our articles within the print mag, what we would then do is move those articles online. So you would get the, the, the people who would get the magazine first would have first access to these articles. And then we would eventually put them on the website, which we could actually see some, some numbers on what was, what was working well and what wasn't working well. And I think that that was sort of the, the, the big picture shift for us. And, and I don't think that Boyd did any of that before I arrived. But now it's, it's a, it, to me, it's a, it's a crucial part of their marketing and of their their exposure and how they can get these stories out there because it's still they still pump out a lot of great issues a lot of great stories but not everybody is able to to pick up a, a mag at you know at, at a distribution spot 
Um, so when they put those articles online, that's when I, I really get a chance to digest them even years after leaving Floyd. And I'm sure during that time, even though you are a Jacksonville native, and of course you know a lot of people in the city through different businesses, sports, entertainment, things like that, I'm sure you gained an even deeper appreciation for Jacksonville during that time. Definitely. Uh, because when I when I didn't live here in my early 20s, I, I feel like that was a time that you know my friends did a lot of their exploring within Jacksonville. And so when I came back, I was sort of just used to you know, the, I don't want to call any places out, but I was just sort of used to the, the, the corporate chains, the, the, the sure. corporate restaurants and, and, and things like that. And, and when I started working for Void, that's when we really started focusing on local first. And that local first mindset is something that, you know, within the past five years has really taken on. And it's really uh, it's really cool to see local supporting other locals because sort of the the theme within Florida, the, the state itself, is that everybody's a transplant. Everybody comes from from somewhere else, and 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 that was sort of the problem with the Jaguar season tickets for a while. That everybody had, you know, an affiliation for another or, or an affinity towards another team before they ever got here. So to see that local pride growing and to be able to shine a light on on stories that we that I did I never knew about. Like a, a, a good example is a place called White Oak. It's on the border of Florida and Georgia, 6,000 acres. It's one of the best wildlife conservations on the planet, and it's here right in the North Florida area. And and so being able to shine a light on stories like that outside of, you know, my, my niche of sports and entertainment, that it, being able to, to experience those events right here in our own backyard is, is something that I take a lot of pride in and, and that I still look for those stories in other publications just so I can get to know my own community much more so than I already do. I think that's important. And, you know, even when I came to Jacksonville at first in uh, 2011, had a year left and then came back, you know, I never really got to experience all that this city has to offer. And and there's still probably a lot even years later that I still haven't seen. My girlfriend uh, lives in St. Augustine, so I've been able to explore down there a little bit more. It's really an incredible place to live. It's got a little bit of everything. It really does. It, 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 it all flows through the water. I mean, obviously, there, there's water everywhere around here with the ocean and St. John's River and lakes and, you know, the intercoastal and all that good stuff. And then just to have all of the arts and entertainment, the, you know, the art culture within Riverside area. And then you have downtown that that's slowly growing. And then the beaches culture. And then, like you mentioned, with St. Augustine and other areas like Fernandina and Fleming Island, these these areas are, are, are ripe for growth as well. And they have their own charm. And, and it's, it's wild that you can get to any of these places within 30 minutes. It certainly is. You mentioned that you started, while you were at Void, uh, your time started as well with Tintin XL with the show Helmets and Heels. How did that show come together? It was actually through the, the general manager, Steve Griffin, for, for 1010XL. He wanted to have a football show, and he wanted it to, have, to be hosted by all women. First football show in the country to be hosted by all women. And so what happened is that he brought in, he had a few women that already worked for 1010, and he was talking with one of the founders or, or one of the, the board members over at Void, and he was telling him about his idea, and the, the board member mentioned me and said, if you're going to have a football show for women, you really need to have Blythe involved with it. And so what happened is that we met up at Mellow Mushroom, had a, a lunch. I met the other girls that were going to be involved with the show. And I think that was, you know, sort of looking back, I think that was sort of like a chemistry test to see if, you know, how, how it would work between all of us. And at first it was just going to be me 
on a segment each week or, or, you know, just having some kind of an input on the two or on the one hour, it was then a one hour show. Um, so then, uh, after, you know, I had a couple shows with them, I ended up staying for the entire show and it just became an integral part uh, of the show right off the bat, because I, like I said, I was supposed to only just do a segment, but the other, I got along with the other girls really well and, and the format flowed really well. And here we are, you know, our first, fourth football season our, our first winning season and you know I, I'll tell you it's a little challenging covering a team that's been a perennial loser but this this year has has really brought me back to to where that you know that this is why you cover sports and this is why you're, you're in it and this is why you go through all of the years of sort of bs whether it's career wise or whether it's you know family or or, or anything else you go through the years of struggle so you can get to the year where you can finally feel like you can pat yourself on the back and, and, and feel a, l- a little proud of, of, of what you've accomplished and, and what the team's accomplished, what the show's accomplished. So it's, it's been a really fun ride. Yeah, and you guys not only have good insights on the Jaguars breaking down the previous game, previewing the next game, talking to different players and coaches too, but I feel like you guys do a really good job when I've been able to listen or watch a live stream you put on uh, the Guys Girl Facebook page. You guys do a great job of highlighting great female stories in sports, and I know through that you've been able to interview a lot of interesting guests. Definitely. It's, it's, I feel like it's our responsibility to shine a light on on other women in sports and and not to say that we're going to put somebody on just because they're a woman working in sports we want to be able to showcase those those special stories and those unique stories that would be a quality listen for anybody to listen to whether male or female we want to show off the people that are doing great work Um, but we've had a chance to you know with a lot linda cone is one that comes to mind Uh, susie colbert is another one that comes to mind Um, sarah walsh what was probably my my favorite female interview and she's probably one of my favorite social media follows as well um and she's from jacksonville and went to school at unf so there's a lot of different local ties here that we 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 try to incorporate with the women here but also from just you know women working in sports perspective because i i strongly believe that it's our responsibility to shine a light on these women as you know the, the first football show in the country we have we have an obligation to do that for the next generation of women coming up. And I mentioned I've watched on a live stream a lot that you put on Facebook, and you're somebody that I've always seen is very much on the cutting edge of technology and uh, really getting consumable content for people. Uh, first of all, where does that come from? What's the spark of that for you? I, I think it's the sort of the, the stubbornness within me to, to continue to challenge myself. Um, I'm a firm believer that, that, well, I I know that not a lot of people can listen to sports radio at 7 p.m. at night. And that's what our our show is now. It went from one hour to two hours. And we've been at a two-hour format for a few years now. But I know that somebody is not going to – it takes a lot for somebody to to sit in their car or or to listen to the sports radio at night. So what I like to do is I like to be everywhere for our audience. And I I feel like you kind of have to be in today's world – and so what we do for the Tuesday night shows is, is we live stream it on Facebook. Um, I also do some live streaming for the kickoff show on YouTube, sort of testing out different formats and what resonates well with the different audiences. Um, but it's been a lot of fun, and it, it's sort of a, a continuous challenge for me in order to get our show. Because I do feel I, – I feel like we cover a, a lot of good stories, and I feel like we cover them in a unique way. And I just want the, I, I want as many people as possible to participate and to listen and, and adding a live stream such as Facebook or even YouTube 
with the chat functions and being able to interact w- with guests is, is something that I, I really treasure because there, without them, we don't have a show and, and we're not getting paid to, 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 to do what we love. So I like to continuously provide those options to the viewers, to the listeners. And then through that, you're able to go on your Guys Girl Media page and explain how exactly you do all these things. I know you like those tutorials. Definitely. And that's sort of the, the, the natural evolution, I think, of my career is, is, is moving into a, a role because I also build websites. I, I went out on my own about a year ago, and that was sort of always the goal with Guys Girl is, is that I was going to, you know, have this blog and it was going to, you know, make a ton of money. And then I was going to, you know, just sell it off or, you know, I was just going to be able to work from home and just be super rich all the time. And, and it, it doesn't work like that. So with the evolution of how Guys Girl has sort of uh, turned into, it's now a platform for the various shows that that I do but then it's also a, I, I feel a certain obligation to to show others how to do it and there because there's a lot of value in there and I think that that's sort of the future of, of sports media and and just media in general is it, going to people that you trust and that you trust that you can you can value their opinion and helping to build their brand so so building their brand by their website de- defining your voice where are you going to broadcast from? There, there's so many new opportunities for people out there with an educated opinion and even you know people with uneducated opinions that, that we've seen. Um, but there's such a, a huge opportunity out there for independent media brands to really start to, to, to gain some traction with these tools like Facebook and YouTube. So, so that's sort of the natural evolution of my career is that I'm moving into a space where I'm showing others how I do it, how I did it in the past, and where I see the the sort of the industry going. Every year, there's always something new, whether it's Facebook Live debuting a couple of years ago, the ability to stream onto YouTube, Instagram now has a live function. There is always kind of something that changes in social media that really changes the game. For 2018, what do you think are going to be some of the big things moving forward and even things that maybe next football season you'll do differently with your own shows? You know, I, I, th- that's a really great question. I, I'm, it's tough to answer because social media changes on a dime. And I know I just I, I talked about live streaming our show from from Facebook, but Facebook just released you know some news this week that said that they were going to change their algorithm again to where all of the the updates from your page are going to be non-existent. They're not going to show up in in the timeline unless somebody from your personal network shares it. So if, 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 I don't know if that makes sense, but it, essentially sure. if you're posting to your Facebook page, it's going to be uh, all for nothing almost unless you're paying to A, advertise it, or if you're sharing it on your personal timeline as well. So for me, it's about diversification and about getting out on multiple streams, but having all of those multiple streams route back to your owned property. And when I say your owned property, I mean your website, because that's is the only thing on the internet that you can control is, is your website. So I, a sort of a, a piece of advice that not just, you know, for, for myself to, to keep in mind, but for anybody else out there is, is, is you want to make sure that you're routing, no matter what platform you're on, whether it's Snapchat, whether it's Instagram or, or any of these other platforms, Twitter, Facebook, you need to make sure that you have a common goal in mind that you're not only putting out quality stuff where people can learn or they can laugh, but you're also routing them back to your website because your website is the only place where you can control the message, you can control how it looks, 
and you can control how viewers interact with your site. All of those platforms are great, but it doesn't mean anything because they can change their algorithm on a dime. And if you're building your platform on these various networks, you don't control it. So I, my, my biggest focus is going to be on the website, going to make it you know user-friendly, more user-friendly um, so people can get to the content that they want to get to very quickly. And, and, and mobile, I think, is, is, is already huge. It already has surpassed desktop traffic. So with mobile, I think I'll, I'll, that's where I'm going to put a lot of my focus on this year is making that mobile experience the best first and then the desktop experience next. Well, you've got this advice you're telling us here, and this is what you're doing with a lot of businesses now, not just in Florida, but around the country, I'm sure, with a Blumley, Rumley, excuse me, brands. you got to be really excited that you're able to go out on your own now and get to share this message. It's wild. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I went out on my own back in April of 2017 and, you know, coming up on the first year of business, closing in on, on six figures in sales. And I, I would have never imagined that, that, you know, people would trust me with their brands. And I, I, I take it very seriously. And I think that that's sort of my advantage is that I know how it is to run a website. I know the, the, the terrifying aspect of if your site goes down and, and you are, you know, or if something is wrong on your site, I, I know those feelings personally firsthand and I know how, how traumatizing it can be. So, so to have other people put that trust in me with their own website, the face of their company, I, I take it extremely seriously. And I, I'm, it, I'm blessed enough that, you know, it, with my history in logistics, that that's sort of my primary focus is is focusing on building websites and building you know, applications and things like that for for other logistics companies, but also using the uh, I guess the creativeness from the sports and entertainment world and being able to apply that to you know a traditional boring industry is what you know I'm using air quotes here, but that that's sort of what is is thought of you know in industries like construction and logistics and in home building. Um, they're traditionally thought of as boring, but being able to take my experience in sports and entertainment and the trust of my clients and apply it to their business goals is something that's it's more rewarding than I ever thought it would be. Yeah, I'm sure that's definitely rewarding. And for you, just looking at other aspects too, uh, you get your diehard football fan. You get to be involved with a weekly radio show in Jacksonville, part of the pregame package that Tintin XL has for every Jaguars broadcast. And you're able to also, once that show is done, still tailgate, still have fun with your friends and family and go to the games as a fan. Are you really happy that what you have right now, you're able to still enjoy the best of both worlds, being inside as a media member, but also being in the stands and being a loud and proud Jaguars fan. Yeah, it's actually something that I absolutely stress because there, and I'll be honest, there was a time where you know that 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 Ten Ten wanted me to expand my role with them, um, maybe possibly some sideline stuff and 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 working on game days more than what I already do. But I, it, it's absolutely out of the question for me, only because I really cherish the time that I get to go to the games with my dad and my brother. Um, my uncle used to go with us a lot, too, until he, he sort of got a little too old for all of the, uh, the tailgating festivities. Um, so I really, really enjoy it. And, and to me, I, I, I wouldn't take that leap in media and broadcasting unless I was absolutely sure that that's the career path that I wanted to follow. And I wasn't sure. And so I didn't, I didn't take that leap. And to me, it's sort of been a blessing in disguise. So you sort of second guess yourself from time to time, like, 
you see other sideline reporters getting to go to, you know, really cool events, especially in something like the AFC championship game, the thought crosses your mind, but being able to share those moments with the people that matter the most to me is, is, is something that, that really, that money can't supplement. And so what I try to do is, is, you know, I'll, I'll work until a few hours before kickoff and then that's that. And then that's when I go and I, it's sort of a, the best of both worlds, like you said, where I get to work on game days, I get to do a little bit of coverage and then I get to go enjoy it as a fan because as somebody who didn't graduate with, you know, a broadcasting degree or, or a, a you know, a journalist, journalism degree, that is it, it, the voice of the fan is sort of what I pride myself on. And I feel like it's so very important for me to be there and to enjoy it as a fan in order to give that voice proper credit. You are able to keep that very authentic. And you have a lot of other interests as well, uh, movies and entertainment. You're involved in cosplay, and you're able to <laughs> kind of share that experience, too, on your networks as well. So it seems like everything you're passionate about, you've been able to weave into your work life, too. It, it, it's, it's wild. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, when you say all that, it's sort of like, what well, I, I, I'm just so used to going through the motions <laughs> that I, I don't really sort of take a step back and, and look, but it's, it's this past year has really been sort of a dream come true because I've, I've been able to take guys girl as a full-time business. I've been able to with the web development and design in addition to that. And then also expand my, my radio coverage. And so I, I, I sort of sit back and there are days when I, I think like, how can I do all of this? But then when I get to do all of it, it really is in, incredibly rewarding because I consider myself like a lot of people, a lot of women out there. I, I'm a Renaissance woman. I, I have a lot of different interests and a lot of different pockets. And I'm lucky enough that, you know, with my biggest passions that I can either talk about it on radio or I can talk about it on Guys Girl via YouTube or Facebook with, you know, different, you know, cosplays that are coming up. Um, different events entertainment wise that are coming up uh, movies and things like that and I can still talk about all of those things on my guys girl platform because I'm still an independent media brand but you know you get the best of both worlds now it, especially within the past year it's been it I really have to take sort of take a step back and pinch myself yeah, when I talk to a lot of people who are in media, they always have you know certain jobs in mind or certain things they're chasing. But I imagine for you, it would take something really incredible to take you away from all the different things you're able to do. Because like I said, you're getting the best of both worlds of being a Jaguars fan, getting to experience all that, plus getting to share your vision, your take on all these different aspects. That it really would. I I, I can't imagine a and I you know I'm not the type to never say never, right. but I can't imagine a, a scenario where I would step away from all of the projects that I have right now for something else because I, I moved. I I spent my time moving away from Jacksonville. You know, in my early 20s, I, I I love this city. I was born and raised here. All of my family is here. I have no reason to leave. And in order to to sort of make it in and quote unquote, make it in media and broadcasting, I would have to move city, I would I would have to, to move to a bigger market, I would have to, you know, play the, the game of, of covering, you know, the sort of the, the lower tier sports, and I don't want to do that. I, and, and I'm sort of spoiled in, in the fact that I am an independent media brand where I want to cover what I want to cover when I want to cover it. And, and that's sort of the, the plus side of, of working with guys girl is that I can cover whatever I want on on my platform. But then on the other platform is I do enjoy sort of being forced into covering a story that at first I might not be interested in, but then once I start to dive a little deeper into it, 
then that's when it becomes really fascinating and, and really enlightening. And, and, and I, I do enjoy that aspect of, of working for other companies and working for other brands and that you're, you're sort of forced outside of your comfort zone. Going to finish up with a little baseball talk. I remember a couple years ago when uh, the Jacksonville Suns introduced the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Uh, I thought you put some really good things on social media supporting us and what we were trying to do at a time where it was maybe cool is not maybe not the right word, but at the time you, you saw what a lot of people were saying about the Suns going to the Jumbo Shrimp. And uh, I just I want to say thank you first of all for uh, kind of seeing the vision that we had having something fun in minor league baseball in Jacksonville. Uh, but just what overall, what do you think of the last year of uh, Jimbo Sherman baseball? And what you, what made you kind of get on board with us early on? Well, I think it's, it's, it's sort of tricky with mm. minor league baseball. And especially if you cover it from a, a national perspective, that when this name change was announced, it wasn't shocking to me. It was fun because I, I'm, I'm a, a huge, huge safe Harbor fan, the best shrimp on the planet. The and it's, you know, five minutes from my house. And so when, when I heard about the, the, the name change, I said, you know what, that makes sense. I said, but they need to make sure that they partner with, you know, the, the, the place that has the best shrimp in the country, I think, which is safe Harbor. Oh yeah. And, and, and I, I would, I would hope that it would take in that route. And you guys did take that route. And I said, this is a name that you can, that you can embrace, that you can get behind. I know a lot of people are super, were super serious about the name changes, but those people, the, the, the loudest people tend to be the ones that never show up, right? <laughs> they, they, those are the ones that haven't been to, to a baseball game probably in five years, but yet they want to sit behind a computer and they, they want to complain about a name change of a team that they don't even, are, aren't even interested in. So I, to me, it was, it was a lot of noise, and, and there was a lot of noise, I think, for a little bit. But minor league baseball is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be quirky. And, and they have a lot of different promotions and, and different, you know, promotional nights and, and things that are sort of, you know, uh, might toe the line a little bit, which I really appreciate because you have a lot of games that you have to get people interested in and you have to get people to attend. And, and with those different promotions, with the different name, and not to mention the logo is, is fantastic for the shrimp. So the branding has been on point from the beginning, in my opinion. And then to see the different promotions and to see the, the, the crowd react, that's the people that I, I, I sort of gravitate towards, not the, the sort of the stuffy fans who are just used to the same old, same old, and, and they didn't want to embrace the, the, the change that was coming about. But change like that happens all the time, and either you, you want to roll with it or you want to you know, stay in your own little world, and, and that's fine if you want to stay in your own little world, but there were a lot of people. And I think it was record attendance for the trip this year uh, that, that showed up in droves. And I doubt that they would have done that without the brand name change. Did you get to go any games last year? I did. I, I did go to a few different games. And it was it, and I, I really think that, you know, Bregan Field is, is, is or Bregan Park. I can't remember which one it is, Field or Park. But um, it really is one of the nicer facilities in all of minor league sports. And that that's, you know, that goes for hockey. That goes for, you know, any other sort of arena that's out there but it really is a beautiful park you know whether you like the name or not and and just being able to to go out on a summer night or even during some of the the, the midday games that that's, that's one of my favorite parts is that you can just sit in the middle of a park you can have a beer you can have a hot dog and and to me baseball is is one of those sports that that it's more social than any other sport like sure. football I'm, I'm social beforehand I'm not social in the middle of the game <laughs> but with baseball you can actually sit back you can watch the game you can take everything in you can take in the views 
and, and you can also have a conversation with the people that are around you. So, so that to me is, is the big draw for, for baseball in particular, especially with the shrimp. No doubt. And you've of course been able to see from the time the baseball grounds opened, uh, the uh, arena opened and getting ready for the Super Bowl years ago to where it is now. You got to be excited too, that now we do have a daily's place in that space. We do have uh, intuition brewing that's right there. And I think the yes. sports complex in the next five to 10 years is going to look very different than what it is now. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. And, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head because with, with, with Jacksonville in particular, our city is so spread out, uh, it, with the exception of sports. And, and with that little block of area, there's so much potential and so much room for growth in that area that it, it really is, I think, in the next 10 years, it's going to look drastically different than what it looks now. And, and, and having the walkability, I think, within the downtown sports area and the, the, the sports complex area is going to be a major key. And with somebody like Shaq Khan, that, that's, that's only going to increase. You know, with their shipyards are supposed to be developed, you know, in the next five years. And then you have more restaurants going in. I used to actually wait tables at the restaurant right next to the arena and the baseball grounds. It used to be called Amsterdam Sky Cafe. I, I, I don't know what it's called now. I think it's maybe City Hall Pub or something like that. But right. I've worked in that area and I worked in that area for, for Super Bowl back in the day. And, and to see where it is now and where it's come from, it, it, it's incredibly exciting and it makes you want it, it makes you want to move downtown i'm a beach girl and i've looked at spots downtown specifically because of the growing sports culture down there no doubt well Blythe, it's been fun talking to you uh, almost this past hour but where can people follow you and keep up with you and see what you're up to with guys girl sure so you can follow me i'm on all unfortunately i guess fortunately i'm on all of the social media platforms instagram is probably where i'm most active you can follow me i'm at Blythe Brum same username for on Twitter as well. And then also my, my business accounts, you can either go to brumleyfbrands.com or guysgirl.com and all of our social platforms are listed right on the website. Well, Blythe, thank you for joining me and let's go Jags. Let's get this win and let's go to the Super Bowl. And as Jalen Ramsey said, <laughs> let's Hell win yeah, that we got it. We got I, I don't know if I can say what he said, but <laughs> it's a I, podcast. I, I, I echo his sentiments and thank you for having me on. All right. Thanks, Blythe. <laughs> thank you. Well, a huge thanks to Blythe for joining me again. Hopefully the Jaguars will get a victory in the AFC Championship game on Sunday, and then we can talk Super Bowl for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What a turnaround it would be if they can go from being 3-13 one year to all of a sudden in the Super Bowl. I'm really pulling hard for the Jaguars. Alabama women's basketball has a game at the same time, but I think I'll be able to see most of the second half, so that will certainly be a good thing coming up. I mentioned Alabama women's basketball. The Crimson Tide have lost in their last two games that are now 3-3 three and three in conference play. A loss at Mississippi State on Sunday. Third-ranked team in the country is still an unbeaten team. And then last night, a loss to 16th-ranked Texas A&M, a team that is outstanding-handed Tennessee, one of its two losses on the year. So a couple of tough games for the Crimson Tide, but a good chance to bounce back on Sunday against Vanderbilt. So I'm looking forward to that. And even after I finish this episode of the podcast, get it posted online, uh, we've got some exciting news with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. You'll want to make sure you check out today as we will announce the field staff for the Jumbo Shrimp in 2018. Also, 
I am headed to Tennessee very briefly uh, to do some business on campus at the University of Tennessee and also uh, see my mom and dad. I mentioned it earlier in the week. Happy birthday to them. My dad celebrated his birthday on Wednesday, my mom on Thursday, and now tonight I'll be able to take them to a very nice dinner at one of my favorite places in Knoxville, Ye Old Steakhouse. So I'm looking forward to a little Tennessee flavor tonight and then getting back to Alabama for the weekend. Uh, also looking forward to men's basketball for Alabama on Saturday against Mississippi State. But a huge thank you to all of you that listened to the podcast and also that gave us a rating and a review. Certainly appreciate that. And a special thanks to Blythe for joining me. That was a really fun conversation hitting on a lot of different topics. And of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Until next time, play the waltz, Roy. I remember the night and the Tennessee waltz. Only you know how much I have lost. Yes, I lost my little darling the night that